Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. Do you know what it's like when you've been doing something for such a long time and you have it down, you understand your method, you've created some innovations, you've worked it, it's become successful, it works for you, it works for other people, and then you take a piece of that and you show up in front of a new group of people and you say, do you think this has any value And all of them say almost immediately, yes, yes, why don't we do that? Well, that happened to me the other day. I was sitting with a group of business owners. And if you've listened to other episodes, you probably know by now that I've been in the recruiting search selection business for 35 plus years, along with consulting, coaching, all of those things on helping get the people side of organizations healthy and vital. Uh, So call it organizational development, call it what you want. But there's a, a piece of what we do that we call passive candidate sourcing that we have just embedded into what we do for 30 plus years where we are actually reaching out to people who are not actively seeking work, but if they saw an opportunity, they might be interested. There's an interesting research article that came out the other day that said about 20 to 30 percent of people in the United States workforce are actively seeking a new job. But 90 percent of people in the workforce would be willing to look at an opportunity. Think about that. That's a huge gap. Back to my story. So I'm sitting in front of these business owners and, and I say, we have this, this part of our, our search process that we do that we call passive candidate sourcing. And we've got some new tools that are really cool and do amazing things. And I mean, you might as well leverage technology, right? And I said, do you think it would be of value to package that by itself and supplement an organization's hiring and recruiting efforts by doing something that would be too labor intensive and too expensive for them to do on their own? Every single one of those people, as I said, said, yes, why are we not doing that? So anyway, that's, that's the funny part of my story. And this is something I've been doing for, as I said, more than 30 years. And all of a sudden, you get this little light that comes on and says, wait a minute, in a time like this, when everybody needs help, just about every organization that I know is looking for people, um, what a great way to provide support at a much lower expense than a full-blown recruiting process or search and, and help organizations find the right fit. And when I say right fit, what we're really talking about this week is 
are talent matching? What is talent matching and what is it for you? It's common sense. It's getting the right fit when you hire somebody. But there's a lot more to right fit than meets the eye. What do I mean by that? Well, it's got to be a right fit for everybody. It isn't just about the organization finding the right fit. It is about the new employee enjoying the organization as the right fit for them individually. So right fit is a two-way street. And the talent matching process is far more than the old approach of recruiting. And, and we all know what that looks like. You post a job, you have candidates respond, you look at their resumes, you maybe call a few of them, you bring some in for interviews, you make an offer after you've made a decision, and that's it. That's the recruiting process. Now, your recruiting process may be more involved than that, and I would hope that it is. Because that's the old model of recruiting and hiring. That is certainly a wonderful place to start, but it's not the answer. It is not where you're going to get to the right fit. And I kind of think of fit in a three-step process. A good fit, best fit, and right fit. So as you work through candidates through a recruiting effort, You find candidates that are a good fit, and some fall out and some stay in. And then you try to find the best fit of those candidates, maybe two or three, and from that, you try to select the right fit. What is right fit? It's also about the needs of the position, the needs of the team, the needs of the organization, the needs of the culture and the needs of the individual that's coming in. There's a lot more to getting the right fit than just finding a person. So as we talk about talent matching and what talent matching really is, it's about taking all of those elements into account when we're bringing people into an organization. Every time you bring in someone, it is either going to add to your culture and add to the value of the organization, or it's going to take away. There's no middle ground. We want to make sure that when we bring new talent in, defined as an individual who has a specific set of skills, knowledge, experience, intelligence, cognitive abilities, competencies, giftedness, that's what talent means. And people are the most important asset in any organization. We want to make sure that we do it right the first time. Because the cost of turnover, and we've all been there, me included, it is astronomical. And not just in dollars, in pain, in agony, in frustration. I mean, there are a lot of emotional drivers and components involved in a bad hire. And we all make them. Getting better at making the right hire the first time is really what we're all about. That is our primary focus. That's what we want to help our clients with. So how do we do that? I was sitting with a business owner the other day 
And he said, you do a lot of this hiring stuff, right? And I said, yes, we do. That's one of the services we provide. And he said, so is our hiring practice good? Well, I didn't know what their hiring practice was. So I asked him, tell me about your hiring practice. What do you do? He says, well, we post a job opening and we use a couple of different places for that. Uh, And then we get candidates in and then... Uh, if we like what we see, we bring them in for an interview. Okay. I said that that's a great start. What else do you do? And he looked at me with a puzzled look and he said, no, you don't understand. That is our hiring practice. And it took me a minute to define the right words at that moment. Uh, here's what I said. Because I was cycling through, what is the correct response here? Trying to be diplomatic. Because obviously that's not enough in today's marketplace. What I asked him was, how is it working for you? And his response was, not good. It just doesn't work very well. And that makes sense. Because in many ways, getting to know candidates is a lost art form. And it needs to come back into style because the long-term impact of a good hire will bring far more return on investment than just about anything else you could do in a business. The short-term impact of a bad hire and the long-term impact are incredibly costly. In today's market, there are so many tools, so much technology that can be leveraged But most organizations just don't do that. And that's why I I keep laughing at that story I started the episode with because sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so deep into things that we don't see the opportunities that are right in front of us. There are all kinds of people out there who would be great fit for your organization. But the question is, how do you find them? Then how do you qualify them? How do you figure out? Well, that's what we're going to do next. I want to share with you my secrets, the five steps to great hires. Do we get 100% hiring success? No, of course we don't. We're, We're dealing with human beings, right? So there's occasionally going to be something that goes wrong. But the national average for successful hires is less than 50%. We can get that up through our process somewhere in the high 80 to low 90% range. That is a huge return on investment. And you can do the same things. So let's take a look at those five steps. Before we get into the five steps themselves, What are the normal things that go wrong in a hiring process? What are the pitfalls? Well, we rush to hire because we have open positions we just feel we have to fill. Uh, And we've all been there. I know what that feels like. Our people may be overworked because we don't have enough talent. We don't have enough bandwidth to get the work done. And we feel pressured because of that. Um, We don't spend enough time with people that we talk to that are possibly coming in as new hires. That's a big deal because through all of the things that we have done over the years 
and have created this refined hiring process, there is still something to be said for chemistry because that chemistry is important. It's about how they fit with the people in your team, in your organization. Other things that can go wrong are simply they say they have this and they don't, or they say they can do that and they can't. There's a lot of other things like that that we need to be thoughtful about. Well, the refined five steps that we use, and I'm going to share those secrets with you right now. The first one is set a very good target. When you do a recruiting process, have you ever been in a situation where, hey, we need to hire for this and okay, good. And and then they start to bring people in and then the people that are part of the decision process get together and interview the person and one person says this and the other person says that and everybody thinks they're looking for something different. That is because a good target wasn't set in the first place. We call that a detailed selection criteria. That means we have a clear idea of measurable things that that ideal candidate needs to bring to the table. So setting a really good target is important. You know what the other thing you get out of a really good target when you set it? You get consensus. People have to agree. Anybody who's involved in that hiring process needs to be a part of setting that target so that everybody agrees that this is what we're looking for in a new hire. The second part of this, the second step is sourcing candidates. This has always been the most difficult for most organizations and frankly, for most recruiters and search agencies. We are a retained search firm. We also provide hiring training development practices for organizations. We do kind of a variety of different things for organizations depending on the need they have and the level of support that they want. But the sourcing thing has always been a challenge. When times are difficult and there aren't that many jobs out there, it's a lot easier because there's a lot of candidates for each position. Last time I saw the numbers, There is one position open that equals one person for that position. And let me rephrase that. Basically, what it means is in the United States right now, and possibly in other countries, there is one person for every open position. That's a much easier and and better way to to clarify that. That's That's not a good ratio. Because how in the world do you get the right fit when there's only one person out there for every open position. I think the case is there are more people out there, but the numbers reflect people actively seeking different employment. And right now, most candidates, most people in the workforce are not looking for new employment. And the ones that are may very well not be a very good fit for what you need. So sourcing candidates, and as I've said, we've been doing this for 35 years now, you have to be able to reach not just active candidates, but the passive candidates. 
leverage technology. The key to finding top talent right now is having some form of passive candidate sourcing. And that's reaching out to people who might be interested in looking at an opportunity, but are not actively seeking new employment. This may sound like I'm repeating myself, and I am. And there's a reason for that. This is so critically important. Don't pass by this. If you don't know how to do this, feel free to reach out to me, and I will have a conversation with you about how to do this. This is so critical to your success because bottom line, your success will always be limited by the talent that you have in your organization. Talent levels determine success levels. The next step is assessing. Now, a lot of people say, when I say assess, they think, oh, assessments. Yeah, absolutely assessments. But assessing comes in a variety of forms. How well do you assess candidates and their resumes against your selection criteria? That's one form of assessment. How well do you assess candidates in interview processes? And then, of course, there are the assessments themselves. How well do you put together a package of assessments that is appropriate for the role? That's important. We want to stay in line with hiring regulations in our geographies. So it needs to be role appropriate. And as I have always said and always will say, please, please, please do not fall into the trap of falling in love with one assessment and thinking thinking it's your magic bullet because it isn't. And it can become a doorway to liability. Not always, but I have seen the only successful cases I have seen of people suing over an assessment that was used to make an employment decision was when one assessment was used by itself. And it it wasn't used appropriately most of the time. There are people like me out there, certified assessment professionals, who would be happy to talk to you and help you think through what are your needs. I know that you could be thinking, but assessments are expensive. Compare that to the cost of a bad hire. The cost of a bad hire can be anywhere from 30% of first year's compensation to a thousand percent, depending on the role of the individual. I mean, there can be incredible costs involved in a bad hire. Spending a few hundred dollars or even less for an assessment package is a much better investment than trying somebody out and finding they're not going to work. The next thing that we do, which is really a unique innovation we've come up with, is it's a challenge process. Now, let me define that. What do I mean by challenge? I'm not saying we create confrontation with the individual, but we challenge things. So I get a lot of resumes that say things like, my responsibilities were, I don't really care what your responsibilities were. I want to know what your accomplishments were. So one way of challenging a candidate is to say, thank you for sharing that. 
on your responsibilities. Now, would you please tell me what did you accomplish in these areas in your last job or in your career? We want to challenge and verify things. There's another type of challenge that I like to use, and that is behavioral questions. That can tie over to the assess part as well. But when you say something like, tell me about a time when you had a conflict in your last job. What, what happened? How did you deal with that? And what did you learn from that? You're challenging the individual to share with you certain things that they've had to deal with and share with you how they, how they did deal with it, what they learned from it. This is another type of challenge. And again, challenge is not a bad thing. A lot of people will see challenge as a negative. It is not. We want to understand how you think, how you behave, what you've learned in your life, There's another type of challenge that I think is really important, especially for any kind of key position in an organization. And we call it more of a project challenge or a a plan challenge. What do I mean by that? Let's say we're hiring a sales manager. Mr. Sales Manager candidate, please come up with a 90-day plan to present to us with the following goals in mind. Or let's say it's a project manager. Ms. Project Manager candidate, would you please create a plan to show us your ideal project management process? That's hard to say. Um, We want to see the following things. How do people think? How do they solve problems? How do they organize? How do they communicate? How do they present? How do they influence? All of that can be wrapped up in one of these challenge projects or challenge plans. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with asking a candidate to do that. That gives us much deeper insight into who that candidate is, how they think, how they'll behave, and how they'll manifest in the workplace. The step number five is the 90-day plan. Now, this is after their first day of work. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. How can step five be after they're employed? I have always said that the first 90 days of employment is the last part of the selection process. Most organizations today have some type of an orientation period or something like that where, and this is what we recommend to clients all the time, build into your offer letter a period of time, if it's legal in your geography, build it in there in the offer letter that says at the end of that time, we'll evaluate your performance, how you're doing at that point, the fit, and For any reason, either party can part ways at that point if they wish to. I know that may sound a bit hardcore, but the reality is more often than not, candidates leave companies before companies release candidates from a new hire perspective. And that's so we want to build in that 
time frame so we really get to see the person in the job. There's no substitute for that. So as we, as we start to wrap this up, this whole concept of talent matching and these five steps to, to get some great hires, um, it's really about getting clarity about expectations. How are we going to onboard people? Um, they're they're going to need the the time that ninety days to to figure out what the organization is about and if they feel like they're a good fit for the organization. We know that when we apply these five steps, the successful hire rate basically doubles the national average. Maybe not quite that high, but if you can get at eighty five percent success rate or higher, that is a huge advantage in the marketplace, literally a competitive advantage. This is what we mean when we talk about talent matching. It's far more than recruiting or hiring. It is truly understanding the needs of the role, the team, the organization, the culture, and the individual. And then let's find that ideal talent to get the right fit. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Building Healthy Organizations by EQFIT. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior and performance in the workplace. We also love hearing your suggestions and ideas. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at info at gscfit.com. For more information and inspiration, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course our website, eqfit.org.